Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Yes, a good morning, a good afternoon. You know the you know the drill. I'm not really in the mood to go through all the pleasantries of ancient as I'm as I'm sure you'll know, I'm not the biggest England fan, so let's 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 just get this over with. This is the man on the post podcast, one of our daily specials, you know the routine by now. Uh it is just the two of us tonight, though, for you no know, whatever scheduling reasons. Uh, we've only managed to get the two of us, and we managed to get we managed to get one Welshman on board. But we did manage to get one Englishman on board, so it gives me great pleasure, as always, to welcome my partner in crime, or one of my partners in crime from the Sunday Show, and he's been on more of these World Cup specials than I think anyone else, if my maths is right. It's James Road calling all the way from the Netherlands. James, how are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you, Chris? I'm Matt. <laughs> Uh, Matt, of course, yes. Don't worry, it's, put long it down. Long old day, long old day, long old day. Long old day, Matt, and how are you? It's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Long old day, and put it down to the heat as well, because... Yeah, I've, absolutely, I've, it's 22 degrees here in Amsterdam. 22, it's 27 at time of recording here in Oldershot, and I've had a nightmare day, because I'm drunk, I reckon, about five litres of liquids, which is, should be a good thing, keeping hydrated in all this heat. But at the same time, I've had to go to the toilet about ten times, since the start of the England game, so that means I'm, oh, that means I'm not going to be able to get to sleep because I'll be going up and down every twenty minutes. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about what we came here to talk about, and that is the football. Not really much to say in regards to the first game, mainly because I don't want to, and secondly because it was a pretty straightforward game for the most part. You know. England 2, Sweden 0, England through to the first World Cup semi-final since 1990. You'll have heard all the statistics, you'll have heard it all by now. James, were you surprised at how little resistance, well, I wouldn't say little resistance, because they did put up some fight, but did you see this game being as straightforward for England as that? Did you you think it would be that easy for for England? No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. I don't quite know what happened to uh, to Sweden. I thought they'd offer much more in an attacking sense. I know that Pickford had to make some very good saves, Matt. And um, I thought Sweden would offer more. I thought England played well and did what they had to do. I thought the standouts today were... Um, I thought that um, Pickford made some very good saves. I thought Trippier was very consistent again. I thought Lingard had a good game as well. And uh, Harry Maguire, of course, with his uh, opening header. But it's a um, it's a good win, and uh, look forward to Wednesday with the uh, the semi final in Moscow. So um, first time in 28 years, it should be uh, should be a big test. Even though Croatia have gone to extra time and penalties tonight, I think it's going to be uh, a very very tight game. And uh, yeah, who knows what will happen? Yeah, yeah, I've sort of been very. Uh, it's only just because it was so long ago, and I saw after about sixty-eight minutes, I turned off because I just couldn't be done with any of the England 
any of the English stuff. I turned over to Happy Gilmore. But yeah, I will give some credit. Sweden did give some level of attack, but um, a, a hell of a lot of credit needs to go to Jordan Pickford for. Uh, I don't want to say I don't want to say outstanding, and I don't want to say very good. It was somewhere in the middle of that that save in the first half. Uh, it was either in the first half or the second half, but one down down to his left. It may have been in the second half. Was a very good, was a very good save. So I've got to give him some credit. And this was England's first clean sheet of the tournament. Do you think the game? And it's with the same back three. You know, Belgium game, Belgian game aside, because that was a sort of throwaway game. Do you think Gareth Southgate? Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to work out how to word this. Um, no, I don't even know how to words. But how impressed have you been? There we go. I'll just go. I'll just go for a basic question. How impressed have you been by the performance of the English central defenders during this during this tournament, particularly the likes of uh, Maguire, Stones, and particularly Maguire and Stones? Um, I have been impressed more with uh, more with Maguire. I think um, I think Stones has showed at times he's uh, he's not quite as good as what everybody thinks he is. And but I think Maguire for his um, for his first major tournament to perform like he has in, in a consistent way and to get his goal today. I would also say with uh, Trippier, in that respect, you know, it's his first major tournament and providing such an impression. I think that Southgate will stick with this team going into the semi-final. I don't think it will change too much. But uh, I know it sounds cliche, but Croatia will offer the biggest test that England have had so far. I mean, you saw tonight there were there were flashes of uh, of Croatia at times with uh, Modric and uh, Mandzukic, and um, and the creative players they have. There. Croatia also have a very good goalkeeper in uh, Daniel Subasic, who plays for Monaco. And uh, they've definitely got something about them, and they'll provide a real stern test. So it'll be uh, a big bridge for England to cross to reach their wor first World Cup final since 1966. But it's not, it's not impossible. They, they, ha they have a, they have a chance. Yeah. How much of the credit um, and sort of credit? We'll keep it. We'll keep it to one word. Crikey, it is hard. Oh, crikey, I'm struggling. Um, how much of the credit do you think should go to Gareth Southgate in this tournament? Because I saw a lot because it's again it's one of the things that's been thrown a lot around on Twitter. That England uh, one uh, one tweet I saw England started the World Cup uh, qualifying campaign with Sam Allardyce in charge and Wayne Rooney as captain. How much credit do you think Gareth Southgate should take for the way that he's I don't want to say transformed, but the way that he's dealt with. Uh, managing the England team? How much credit do you think he deserves, and how much of it you know? Should go down. Should go down to the players. Um, I think he deserves a lot. I think um, I, before, in our preview pods for the World Cup, I, um, I said that I did not expect too much. I have nothing against Southgate personally. I just always thought that at international level, at the highest level, the experience and and the small details are really really telling. And um, I, I stick with that, but I think it's been a, a World Cup full of surprises. But he can be, um, he can take an awful lot of credit for the way upon which he's, he's believed in a lot of young players, and uh, they've paid him back with the confidence. And there seems to be a real togetherness there, and they all want to fight for one another. And they've been playing uh, with no inhibitions, so it's been it's been a good time. But Southgate can take a, can take a lot from it, and um, yeah, he's improved his reputation no end. So, do you think that, given all the talk, uh, not so much at the start of the tournament, going but going through the tournament, how England landed themselves on the you know quote unquote easy side of the draw, 
Do you think that Gareth Southgate and the way that the tournament has opened up, do you think that this tournament will only be considered a success if they if they win the tour if they win the competition? Or do you think that they, they've surpassed expectations so much that if they lose to Croatia, you know, in whatever in whatever format on Wednesday, that's a big if that it will be seen as a success no matter what? Or do you think it has to be, you know, uh, gold or go home sort of thing? Um, I think considering the expectations before the tournament and what you mentioned at the start of the campaign where they had Rooney as captain and Allardyce as manager, I think people will view a, um, a semi-final as a success, but there'll also be a certain amount that we'll expect uh, and maybe a, a place in the final to be a success or to win it to be a success. But one thing that I found quite strange was we've spoken a lot before about the um, for planning of an easier route. You know, this is tournament football. You can't do stuff like that. And when you try to do stuff like that, it often comes back to bite you in the bum. So it could be very well. It could very well be that Wednesday is the end of the line. It could be a scenario where they get absolutely battered by France in the final. So you know what goes around comes around. I think the Croatia game is going to be very close, and um, I think at the moment the Croatia game is fifty-fifty. To be honest, indeed, and that sort of leads us on to well, James has mentioned it plenty of enough times, but I'm sure you know already. Uh, Croatia will be England's opponent in their semi-final after their. Uh, victory on penalties against uh, against Russia tonight. Four uh, three on penalties. And James, I just want to start off with start off with asking, where has the Croatia team from the group stages gone? Because we saw the way they dis they just dismantled Argentina. I think I did the math. I think they scored. I think they scored seven goals in their in their in their opening games. So where's and then you look at how they performed in their round 16 tie against Denmark and it was sort of slow and, you know, I don't want to say dull, but it wasn't exactly the most entertaining style of play. What's happened with the Croatian team? I mean, admittedly, they've got through, so it's all positive for them. But which Croatia team do you think we're going to be seeing on Wednesday? Are we going to be seeing the group stage team or the knockout stage team? And, you know... How, how are England going to be able to cope with that? Um, I think we'll see the group stage team on, on Wednesday. Um, I think um, considering what happened to them at Euro 2016, where they were heavy favourites against Portugal and expected to win and didn't, I think it's no wonder that they have a cautious approach regarding the knockout games in the next major tournament. I think as well, you know, Croatia have been put on the map in terms of the 98, Prozinecki and Suka and reaching the third place in uh, in France and putting the Frighteners up against France in the semi-final going 1-0 up as well. I think they're all spurred on by that. I think they all know they can create history. And I think, it, I think it will spur them on. They have no injuries or suspensions. I know it appears that Subasic has, um, has pulled a hamstring tonight. But I think, he'll, uh, I think he'll play against England. And with Modric and Mancucic. And also the left-back uh, Stilinic, who plays for AC Milan. I think he's, uh, I think he's a good player. So there's, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting tie on Wednesday. Yeah, and I suppose some credit, I don't know, credit's probably the wrong word. Sorry, so many wrong words, so so high temperature probably because. Um, some credit needs to go to the Russians because they gave a hell of a fight in this game. 
Yeah, and I don't want. I've, I've seen again all the tweets. Most of the stuff I talk about comes from social media, just because social media is the king of everything on this planet, as it rightly should be. Um, the fact that the Croatian players towards the end were collapsing, and the Russians seem to be so full of energy. I don't want to get into any legality, doping, drugs. PED allegations. I'm sure there are other reasons. Probably just the natural, you know, bursts of energy from for playing in in front of your home stadium. But the Russians gave themselves a hell of a gave a hell of a fight today. Do you think they'll be disappointed with the way that their tournament has ended? Um, I don't think so because they, I think if you said to them beforehand that you, they'll uh, they'll knock out Spain and they'll reach the quarterfinals, and I think a lot of people have eaten their words as regards to the uh, predictions that people had about um, the Russian national team and their preparation. I mean, I heard um, before the tournament started people referring to them as possibly the worst ever host nation uh, on the pitch, and I, I thought that was a little bit harsh. I think it's been a great tournament. I think they can be proud of what they've put on and what they've shown the world as well. And although you had uh, England going up against Russia to host this uh, competition, I thought the snide remarks when the official announcement was made, was made in 2010 were a little bit far-fetched. If you look at the infrastructure of Russia and how vast the country is, it's the biggest country in Europe with nine time zones. So the infrastructure and everything is there for them to host a major tournament. And I think they've done a tremendous job. Indeed. So now, preview, you've sort of touched on every, you sort of given little bits and pieces uh, through the early part of this podcast. But the game, Croatia-England on Wednesday, two teams who probably didn't think they were going to be in this stage at the start of the tournament. Do you think it's a case of, you know, all gun, you know, all guns blazing, nothing to nothing to lose here. Or do you see it being a bit of a conservative approach from both teams? Um, I think it will be conservative because they both know what's at stake, and a and a mistake or a um, a genius bit of skill could very well decide this, or maybe even extra time and penalties. I mean, if you look at the the way Modric can control the tempo of a game, especially in the Champions League level, and how how often that's got Real Madrid over the line. If you look at someone like Mandzukic scoring a, a, an absolutely wonder goal in the in the Champions League final, and a, a goalkeeper in Super who's often um, can make very important saves. Um, I think this is going to be a real conservative affair where there could maybe only be one goal in it or it could even go to extra time I, I think the semi-final will be um, will be a 50-50 affair ok that's something you that's something you touched on there it's an excellent point um, the likes of Modric and Mandzukic and Rakitic who all have experience of playing in big games and I'm trying to go down the go down the England team and I'm trying to think how many have had you know big game experience I'm thinking maybe Carl Carl Walker's probably had one, maybe two cup finals at Manchester City. Um, Raheem Sterling, you know, probably the same. Uh, Lingard's Crystal Palace FA Cup final. Lingard, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying England have none. I'm just literally just rattling off off the top of my head. Jordan Henderson's been the Champions League final, but Croatia. Do you, who do you think has the more big game experience going into this game? And do you think that's going to be, you know, the um, the I don't want to say the X factor as to who's as to who's going to come out on top. I think Croatia have it. 
I think if you look at Rakitic, if you look at Modric, if you look at Mandzukic and Suvisic, and also the defenders as well, Vida scored a tremendous penalty for them tonight, and he was the one that scored the 2-1 in the extra time. You know, he, he had a good Euros as well, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, a, there's a good spine there. And for a country the size of Croatia as well, they know, I mean, the, the Croatian team of 98 that finished third has gone down in history. And it's well loved and well respected by all Croatians, and the, and the team standing there on Wednesday night could very well be held in the same breath or even referred to in a, in a higher setting. So I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic opportunity for them, and um, I think it's going to be a very very intriguing game. Right, that brings to an end the uh, review section of the podcast. Now onto my favourite bit because it means it's the part where I get to be slightly more animated and have actually have some knowledge of what's going on it's our debate section and as has happened quite a lot it appears i'm the one who gets the last match of the round so now we have the round of uh the quarterfinals have now ended there's only left is the semi-finals third fourth place and the final does this seem so long ago yeah it was less than a month ago everyone was sitting down and watching morocco versus iran and it even less than a month ago but it just seems so long just because the tournament's been stretched out but mike what we're going to do here is we're going to go through the awards this these are the uh sort of opinion based awards because um things like the fair play award and the most man of the match awards are you know given out based on statistics so we can have any say in them but what we're going to do is we're going to go through the uh one two three four four main awards that are given out with each world cup the golden ball for best player um, golden boot, which is sort of a statistic, but there's some level of opinion uh, going in there. The golden glove for best goalkeeper, it will always be the Levy Sheen Award in my eyes. The stuff for FIFA say, and the best young player of the tournament award. So James, we're gonna. Um, I was gonna say we can kick off with you. We can only kick off with you. Uh, golden ball, best player. Now for me, that hasn't really been much in the same way there hasn't been a standout team there hasn't been really been a standout player in this tour and somewhere that you can actually put your you know put a spotlight and say he's the reason x y and z have got have got through um this have got through this far so this is a bit of a tough one but who do you see you now going forward winning the golden ball award for best player well, as you say, it's very tough and it would be easier if we was answering these questions once the World Cup has been completely finished. But uh, it is what it is. We'll, um, we'll answer them anyway. I was going to say, because isn't the award, because I remember in 2006 with Zidane, isn't the award like given out or finalised at half-time during the World Cup final? Because that's how Zidane won the best player, but he was sent off. It's, it's a weird sort of thing. So that's when it is. But yeah, carry on, James. It's, it's the same with Messi winning the best player after losing the World Cup final four yeah. years ago. Can exactly. you imagine just picking up your your loser's medal five minutes before and then going have to pick up a, an individual award? Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real thinker as to, as to who could be... Uh, uh, player of the tournament, but I think uh, I think Lukaku's had a great tournament. Uh, if if I take if I t- take an example of the of the teams that are in the, um, the semi-finals, I think Lukaku's had a tremendous tournament. I think Harry Kane's had a tremendous tournament. I think um, Luka Modric has had has had uh, especially in the group phase he was tremendous, and um, as well uh, with uh, I think you see with Anton Griezmann this how important he can be 
I think Angolo Conte has been uh, has been absolutely key to France. But if I had to um, if I had to pick one of the one of the four at the moment, I would give it to uh, I'd give it to uh, Lukaku at the moment because I think he's just been instrumental in the attacks for Belgium. Eden Hazard has been as well, but with the goals of Lukaku and and, and especially with the pass from um, last night to set up De Bruyne, De Bruyne's second goal, which gave them the impetus to go on to win the game, I, I would say uh, I would say Lukaku. But you never know in the semi-finals, things may well change. Yeah, I'd 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 lean towards Lukaku as well. It's interesting you mentioned Harry Kane on that list because Harry Kane is going to be we're going to be talking about Golden Boot in a second, but Harry Kane he's because he's got six goals at the moment. Three of which were penalties, and one of them was that deflection off his... Uh, it was his heel sort of thing that looped in that was officially given as a goal. So really, he's only had to... And it, and even then, the two goals, other goals he scored were sort of uh, in the six-yard box header. So, you know, all credit to him for scoring, but he hasn't had to work all that much for his goals. Whereas the likes of Lukaku, as you mentioned, sort of there, there was a bit more effort... In what he's done, and as you said, the assist for De Bruyne's goal the other night you know, probably puts him over the top for me. Um, golden boot now. Now, as things stand, Harry, as I just mentioned, Harry Kane is top with six. Um, afterwards, I did have the list up earlier. Just give me a second. Please feel free to edit this out, whoever's editing. Just give me a bit of a break. Um, it is four. I thought it was three. But there are players left in the tournament. Romelu Lukaku has four. Griezmann has three. And Mbappe has three. Those are really the only ones you can see being somewhat close to challenging Harry Kane. So it's Kane has six at the moment. Lukaku has four. So it's probably going to come down to them two. Who do you see... Um, coming out with the golden boots once everything's been said and done. Um, well, I would give Griezmann an outside chance because I think he will score in the semi-final. I don't know how many, but I'm, I'm convinced he will score in the semi-final. And I'm also convinced should France go through, which I think they will, um, I think he will score in the final as well. Having watched Griezmann play in a final and scored and score goals in the Europa League final back in May, he relishes that occasion in terms of the constant threat he gives so I would give uh, I'm going to be a bit rogue and give um, give Griezmann an outside chance of uh, of eclipsing Harry Kane to the golden boot I'm sort of on the same lines as you I think Romelu Lukaku could um, could overtake Harry Kane again when it comes when it comes to the final I think maybe two goals two goals against France on Tuesday they play, and then and then one goal in the final. I think Lukaku, but this is being this is being harsh to Harry Kane, who um, is a is on penalty is on penalty duty, and let's England have been fortunate with the amount of penalties they've got in this tournament. And I could see the game on Wednesday against Croatia going to extra time, so he'll have another thirty minutes in which to score, sort of thing. Um, I again just I this is taking nothing away from Harry Kane, who I personally. Being Welsh, I have to give some love to the English. Um, do like I do quite like Harry Kane as a player, but I just think there's something there's something in the back of my mind that thinks look Lukaku's gonna that's going to overtake him when it comes to the final. Um, so our next award is the Golden Glove or the Lev Yashin Award, as I will always call it, which goes to the best goalkeeper. 
and I'm I'm going to kick us off because I I think it's going to, I think at the moment it's going to Jordan Pickford just because of the way he performed in the penalty shootout against Colombia and for his performances today and just throughout the tournament as a whole I think I think it was probably the game today that sort of just pushed him one you know a step ahead so to speak of the of the other goalkeepers left in the tournament who are uh Lloris, Courtois and Subasic is probably going to come from one of those four. James, who do you think is taking the uh, Levia Sheen award home? Um, I think I agree with you on Pickford, but to be different and to give the listeners something to think about, I think Subasic uh, to help Croatia win for a penalty issue out against Denmark and against uh, and tonight against Russia. He will play a big part in whether Croatia finish um, first, second or third. Because I don't think that even if Croatia lose the uh, the uh, semi final, I don't think they'll lose the third place playoff. I think they'll um, I think they'll finish at least third, and um, it'll be very interesting. But I, w- I would go to, to give uh, a different take. I would say uh, Supersic. Okay, so that's uh, James giving his award to Supersic, and the final award the weekend the weekend discuss about is the uh, best young player award. Now that's specifically. And I, lo- I looked it up because I know there was a lot of controversy with the PFA awards about how Harry Kane was listed, even though he's 25. Like, in the PFA awards, it's 25. At FIFA, you've got to be 21 or younger. So, so in the similar sort of vein as no player has really stood out, I can't really think of many... There's Actually, in fact, it's pretty much the opposite vein of the thing. Was there's only really been one youngster that stood out, and I think it's probably nailed on. It's Kylian Mbappe with the threat. I can't think of any player under the age of 21 that's done as much in this tournament as he has. Yeah, I, I would agree, but I would also say, Matt. You know, we know of Mbappe. Everybody knows who Mbappe is. One thing I love about World Cups is that you, uh, even as a football fan, and you, you keep your ear to the ground and you, and you know an awful lot, there will always be three players or a couple of players that come out of nowhere. And I have, I'm have i going to throw in three names now who have really, really impressed me this World Cup. Uh, number one is uh, Benjamin Pavard, who's 22 years old and he's been absolutely tremendous for France. I mean, his performance against just performance yesterday against Uruguay for someone of 22 to play like that in a World Cup is absolutely tremendous. Um, Artem Shuba from Russia, and the centre-forward from St. St. Petersburg, has been tremendous. And even though uh, Tunisia did not get very far, I was very impressed with their, um, with their centre-back, uh, Yassin Maria. And those three players are ones that have come to the fore for me, and I will continue to keep an eye on them. And, and every World Cup has players that come out of the woodwork, and, and which nobody ever, has ever heard of before. In Italian 90, you had, um, had Scalacci, I remember in, in 2006 when Italy won it, you had Fabio Rosso. And um, so, although Mbappe, I agree, he is nailed on, I thought I'd, I'd chuck in a couple of names of players that. Have, met, have made a good impression that were somewhat unknown before the tournament started. But well, and from, from my case, those three were, were unknown, and particularly Benjamin Pavard. I think you know to to be 22 and to be on the verge of a World Cup final and be so important to that team 
at that age, I think it's uh, admirable, really. Yeah, absolutely. There, there have been some outstanding you know, individual performances. I absolutely agree with you with uh, Zuba from uh, the, the Rus- from uh, from Russia. You know, me as a Fulham fan, we've been linked with Alexander Mitrovic more or less all summer. But I'm sitting there thinking, if that deal doesn't come off, I'd quite like to go get him. Because he looks as if he's got something right. He looks as if he could very easily um, play uh, play regularly in the uh, in the Premier League. So that's it for him. Now there is one sort of unofficial um, award that goes. It's the uh, best manager of the tournament award. But that sort of goes in with the All Star team where they put together their you know. I, th- I don't know if it's a team or if it's a squad these days because it changes every it changes every time. So. Team, I think. Is it team? Because I. Yeah. Well, it it still should be. I mean, I mean, I know everything is bloated. The the amount of teams that participate is bloated. The the commercialism is is bloated, and everything is bloated. But surely you can't have a team of the tournament, which is a tremendous point of reference. You can't have that becoming a squad. Yeah. It's a fantastic point of reference through the years, where some players who have been and gone only have that to fall back on. And once you start to bloat that out to an entire squad of 23, I think you, uh, I think you water the um, the um, the title down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I just can't remember off the top of my t- uh, off the top of my head which because I think. I think UEFA and FIFA, uh, I think one has squad and one has team either way. But either way, it's getting away from the point because we're only focusing on one man, and that's the manager. You know, that that FIFA All-Star team will be given a manager um, as the quote-unquote manager of the team. So who do you think has been the best manager at this World Cup? Which manager has sort of exceeded your expectations? Uh, Didier Deschamps. Has he really? Has he, has he really been? And because we saw we saw what he did in two thousand sixteen, we've seen no, that well, he can manage sort of thing. Yeah, well, for me, considering who they've beaten, they um, they've beaten Argentina, they've beaten Uruguay. They haven't just beaten them; they've, they've, they've put them away with ease. And also, as well, the with Didier Deschamps to show so much faith in uh, in Pavar from from the early days. I mean, he's, he's keeping out the Monaco right-back, Sidibe, who has so much experience. And also with the, the bringing in of Olivier Giroud and, and the tactical flexibility of um, of what Deschamps has showed. I mean, he's been a manager for many, many years and he's still quite young. And to have accrued so much experience and to have got Monaco to a... Um, a Champions League final, okay, it was many, many years ago, but, you know, that was a Monaco team which was, um, you know, bits and bobs and he managed to, to get a real um, a real tune out of them. But I think he's grown as a manager, Deschamps, and considering who, especially uh, France, have beaten in the knockout stages, uh, my, um, my choice would be Didier Deschamps. Okay, uh, personally, I've got to be quick because we've got to wrap it up. Mine goes to uh, Zlatko Dalic. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The manager of the Croatia team. Personally, because of who's exceeded their expectations the most. And I think when you look at who that is, it's probably going to be it's probably going to be uh, Croatia as the team who've managed their, who've exceeded the expectations the most when it comes to this tournament. Right. Uh, we've gone on longer than I thought we would, which means we've got to be quick when wrapping up. Uh, please don't forget to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Acast or any uh, subscription uh, podcast device that you that you prefer to use. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Man on the Post. You can follow us on. You can follow me and James on Twitter. Uh, I am at Matt Reese sixty three M A T T R H Y S six three. James is on Twitter and he is 
at James Rowe NL. And all that's left for us to say is thank you very much for listening. You, we know you have many uh, podcasts available, but thank you very much for listening to us. And all that's left for us to say is uh, goodbye from me, uh, goodbye from James. Goodbye, everybody. And please always remember to have your man on the post. Uh-huh.